Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning, whether you're here in person or online. It's lovely um, to be with you. Um, My name's Linda, and um, I can't uh, introduce myself to you all in person today, but if you are here for the first time this morning, um, you are very welcome. Right. Okay. Before we start reading, I want to set the scene. So we've had the disciples in Mark with Jesus, spending a lot of time together. So Jesus has been investing into his disciples. Now, we know that that included Judas, and we heard a bit about Judas last week, didn't we? With Damien talking about um, what Judas had been up to, but, and how he reacted as well. We will talk about that in a little bit, in a little moment. But we're also going to be talking a little bit about Peter today, and he was one of the disciples as well. So Peter was also there with Jesus, learning how to be a follower of Jesus. So Jesus sent out all of his disciples for healings and for miracles. And then in Mark 11, they arrived at Jerusalem on a donkey. We've heard that just recently. And then we, last week, heard about from Damien in the first part of Mark 14, the contrast of Mary's lavish response to Jesus with the perfume on his body to Judas's stingy response to what Mary was doing. And Damien asked us to consider how extravagant is our love for Jesus and for others. So I'm not sure how you went with that question last week and during this last week. How extravagant is our love for others? At the very end of the passage that Damien was looking at in Mark 14, it said in there that Mark 14 verse 10, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So that's how the passage ended in Mark 14. Okay, so now we have Passover approaching. And thank you very much to Jared, who helped us set the scene for what Passover is and, and where we're coming into now for the passage of the Last Supper. So we're going to be having a look at Mark 14, chapter, uh, chapter 14, verses 12 to 31. So if you'd like to grab your Bibles and get that open. So we've got the Passover approaching, and there are thousands, if not millions, of, of pilgrims. I've heard in my re- read in my readings that there were 2.5 million pilgrims that gathered to Jerusalem at this time for the Passover. That's a lot of people coming to the one place for this feast. So they come from all over Palestine, from every corner of the Mediterranean world for the Passover. 
So there'd be quite a crowd. So we're going to start by reading at verse 12. On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice a Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Okay, hold it just a sec. Now remember, there's two and a half million extra people in this place. Now, that's a lot of people to be extra. How on earth, why, where is this place going to be that's already prepared? How has Jesus arranged this? It's, you know, it's going to be a miracle that there's going to be a room prepared, you know, just like that. But I have found it astounding that Jesus uses a man carrying a jar of water. From what I've read, and hopefully it's right, men don't do that kind of thing back then. So therefore, it's easy for the disciples to find the man, because there would have only been one in the millions of people that were there. So, good on you, Jesus, for being unique. Anyway, let's keep going. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is, uh, where is the guest room that I may enter to eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went to the city and found things just as Jesus told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. So there's a miracle right there. In two and a half million people, Jesus had it all prepared and ready, just as he had said. Let's continue reading. Verse 18. While they were reclining, reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Who stole the cookie? They were saddened, and one by one they said to them, said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Surely you don't mean me. The, passage, the Passion Version says, You don't mean me, do you? You don't mean me, do you? We do put a lot of emphasis on Judas, don't we? That it was him that was the betrayer. And yes, he was the betrayer. But here we get an insight into all of the disciples' mind that they actually all considered or thought or wondered, is it me? Could it be me? Am I going to do that? Let's keep going, verse 22. 
While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in the new, king, new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So Jesus took the bread and the cup and shared in the term we call the Last Supper. And Jared talked about this and talked about how it was the new covenant that he, that he shared with them. And it's a new covenant that he shared and tells us that we are a part of now as well. That this is the reason that Jesus was about to die on the cross. It's the reason that he was raised to life to create this new covenant. That all that had happened before to replace the old covenant that was a covenant of law and to replace it by a covenant of grace and forgiveness. And there's a lot that can be read about this, but I might just point you to Hebrews chapter 8 as a fantastic place to start reading, but there is a lot more you can, and we're not going to delve in it this morning. I'd love to, but time is a factor. So um, write that one down if you want to have a look at more, but if you want to investigate even more, please come and um, have a chat at some other time, and I, would, I can direct you to some more passages. Um, it's, it's really important to understand that we are in living in the new covenant, a covenant of grace, that we do not live in an old covenant of law and what that difference is. And then they worshipped God together. So I don't know if you, can, if you can put your mind eye into this room, but here we have just had Jesus saying to them, one of you is going to betray me. And they've all kind of gone, is that, is that me? Could it be me? And then he said, this you know, incredible passage of, of talking about um, how he's going to, um, you know, to take this body and he took the cup and then this is my blood. Such a powerful imagery, a powerful, deep, soul-sharing moment. And then at the end of it, it says that they sang a hymn. And, and as Jared mentioned, that this is, this is a ritual time, this um, Passover time, and it would have been a hymn from Psalm 115 to a Psalm 118 is the, the hymns that they used at the time of the Passover. So I thought I'd have a look and see, well, what are the types of wordings that those hymns are so that we can take our mind's eye into that, that room at that time and imagine being with the disciples trying to picture what, what is it like at that place. So I've just picked one, but we might just read out a few others. But this is Psalm 117, the first two verses. 
Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So here he's just said, you know, that one of you is going to betray me. One of you will betray me. But we'll sing of praising the Lord. We will praise the Lord together. How, how confused Judas would have been at that time. But all of them, because they've all just questioned, was it me? Could it be me? And how do we go when we're praising God? How, how hard sometimes it is because we're confused with the emotions that we're feeling sometimes. But we can still praise the Lord. We're still asked to praise the Lord even when we're having difficulty inside and wrestling things. We still praise the Lord. God asks us to step into praising him. And so let's have a look at some other psalms that... Oh, sorry, I haven't got them written up there. Now I've gone the wrong way. Let's get it back there. Um, Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That's Psalm 115. Or Psalm 115 verse 9. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. He is their help and shield. Or Psalm 116, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Powerful, powerful words. I could go on, but we better continue. <laughs> so let's, let's continue with the text. So we've just heard um, what's happened about the words that Jesus spoke about, the possible betrayal of Judas. But it doesn't stop there in this passage that Mark has put together. And it's a very cleverly written passage that Mark has because straight after this, we step into a passage that, uh, well, let's read it and we'll find out. Verse 27. You will all fall away. Just after they've sung this hymn. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Verse 29. Peter declared, even if I fall away, uh, even if all fall away, I will not. It's a bit of a cookie jar thing going on here again. I, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, yes, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Who, me? I won't disown you, Jesus. Not me. Yes, you, said Jesus. Yes, you. Not me. Not me, said Peter. Definitely not me. Maybe all the others will, but not me. And then all the others say, not me. Not me. Not me. But what happens again? What happens straight after this? Well, unfortunately, 
they disown Jesus. Peter does have the rooster crow and he disowns Jesus three times. And all of the others do as well. Judas does go ahead and betrays Jesus. And you can find all of this in the rest of Mark 14. And feel free to read ahead. You're allowed to. You can read ahead. So Mark 14, verse 44, has the Judas betrayal. And Mark 14, verses 66 to 72, has the, um, Peter's denial. But things don't finish there for Peter. Unfortunately for Judas, he doesn't come back to Jesus. To Jesus. He doesn't come back. But for Peter, we know the story is different. And I think this is the crux of the matter. And this is what we find in the passage of Mark 14, is that there's hope and there's, there's eternity. It's just a matter of choice. Because we're given the opportunity of forgiveness. There's very different endings. In, we're given the full picture of what happens uh, for Peter actually in John 21. I don't think I put it up there. I'll have a quick sneaky look. Yep. Not up there. I've got a lovely another cookie jar. John 21, verse 15. When... Peter and Jesus meet together and Jesus says to him, Jesus, sorry, Simon, with Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take, Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, just like the third time with the rooster, third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him three, a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Peter went on to become the rock of the church, the leader of the church, and even though he had denied Jesus, he was forgiven. He was forgiven. I wonder what you think if Judas had come back to Jesus and said to Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, do you forgive me? I wonder what you think Jesus' response would be. Now, I don't know. I wasn't there and it didn't happen. Um, and I'm not Jesus, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's an interesting point to ponder and question. So I think the power of the cookie jar is that it could have been anyone that stole the cookie from the cookie jar. Could have been Cass. Could have been Dinah, could have been me, it could have been anybody in the room because all of us 
can actually be in the wrong. We all do the wrong thing. Now, we may not, on a scale, be a murderer, but we all fall short. So if you think of somebody who is the most perfect person in your life that you know of, just in your mind, think of that person. Who is the, the most perfect person? Sorry to break it to you, but that most perfect person does the wrong thing. They will think the wrong thoughts. They will make the wrong choices. They make, they make mistakes. Not just mistakes, but they deliberately do the wrong thing as well. We all need Jesus. We all fall short. We all fall short. And that is why this passage of Mark 14, this new covenant that Jesus provides to us of forgiveness is so, so powerful. And it doesn't matter if we're Peter, who becomes the, the rock of the church, the leader of the church, that Mark shows in this passage as a denier, or even if it's Judas, who betrays Jesus, who I believe if he had asked for forgiveness, I reckon Jesus would have said, I forgive you, Judas. Under the new covenant, it is open to anybody who comes to Jesus and seeks forgiveness. We live under that new covenant now with Jesus' body and his blood that has enabled that forgiveness and that we have that relationship with him. Isn't that powerful that it's not just for back then, that it's right now. I mean, we had communion together now. We've had this powerful image that we're able to reflect in now, that that forgiveness is available for us now. And we're about to move into a time of ministry for us to receive that forgiveness, for us to know that we can be forgiven even right now. So there might be something that you've been holding deeply within that you need to release, that's been weighing you down, that you need to be able to hand over to Jesus, that you need to be able to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I denied you in that instant. I'm sorry, God, that I betrayed you about that issue, that I just completely didn't even acknowledge you. I'm sorry, God, that I walked away. I'm sorry that I don't even want to know who you are, but now I do. I'm not sure where you stand in your relationship with God. I'm not even sure if you know God, but now is the time for you to be able to lay that down. So as we hear this song sung, 
You may not know the song, you may know the song. You may want to stand, you may want to sit, you may want to lie down. Whatever your response, that's okay. If you want to come to the front, you can. You don't need to receive prayer from others if you don't want to, but if you want that, it will be available. This song is one that talks about coming to the altar because it's the precious blood that, of Jesus that made this possible. So we ask that this time is a time that we will just give as a solemn time. If you want to receive prayer from people around you, that's okay. Um, maybe, um, Ian, are we able to bring the lights down a bit, please? Um, so let's just spend this time with God. And um, whenever's the right time, we'll, we'll finish this time.